Welcome back to The Brandon White Show, where we have conversations worth listening to give you an edge to win in your business and your life. I'm your host, Brandon White. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Build a Business Success Secrets. I'm your host, Brandon C. White, and today we have a really wonderful episode for you with Kelly McGonnan. Kelly and I did a nine-day series called Turn Yourself Into a Powerhouse, and we did it during the COVID lockdown. We had a ton of people attend it and had some great feedback, and some people followed up and said, we want more. So Kelly and I decided to do this podcast on two topics over those nine days. We cover today the stories we tell ourselves. Sometimes they're not always true. And how can we tell ourselves a story that brings us to where we want to go? And then sometimes we tell ourselves stories that create a tremendous amount of stress. And how do you deal with that? And we go through a whole bunch of exercises here in this episode. Kelly walks us through how to manage these sort of stress reactions that we have. Kelly is very humble and we don't, doesn't talk about this tremendous amount about her background, but she is an expert and sought after for her body language expertise. She's a body language coach, as we've probably, if you're listening, you know, 80%, if not more of your communication is done by body language. So how can you control your body language and how can you read other people's body language? And then she has expertise in just self-awareness and mind-body connection and energy management all these things. And she uses a bit, she actually has an incredibly diverse background, which is, I could go on and on, but just to mention a few things, she studied at Yale Divinity School. She's done advanced things at Princeton. She has studied, which I find absolutely fascinating, applied mythology. And she's working on a degree from Young Society of Washington on depth psychology which I find fascinating having a background in psychology. And if all that smart stuff hasn't scared you already, here's the kicker. She's a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. And she's working on a cool book called Being Human is Hard, but it doesn't have to be. So today you're going to love this episode. We go through about an hour of the stories we tell ourselves, how you can tell yourself a different story and some exercises on how you can manage stress, especially during these times. And before we jump into it, I got a special offer for you. I have a monthly newsletter called Build a Business Success Secrets that comes to your snail mail. And it's packed with cool articles that I have found and collected over the month covering everything from mind, body, and business. So your health, how to train your mind, and of course, business articles. If you're interested, I have a special offer. You can find it at bsuccesssecrets.com. That's B as in business, successsecrets.com. Check it out when you get a chance. Something special that will come into your mailbox every month that I can offer you as a thank you for listening. So let's not wait any longer. Let's jump in, get right to it. Kelly McConnell on the story we tell ourselves and how to deal with stress. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Build a Business 
We have Kelly here on a Thursday. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. I'm so happy to be here, Brandon. Thank you. Uh, you're joining from the other coast, and I know that it is approaching your lunchtime. So we'll get started fast for everybody. As I said in the introduction, Kelly and I did nine days of turning yourself into a powerhouse and covered a whole host of subjects, everything from stress response to the stories uh, you tell yourself to, well, Kelly, I'm going to let you walk through that. And I want everyone to know, and everyone who's been listening always knows, I say it's a small world and you can always get to somebody when you need to get to them. People who tell me (laughs) that you can't get to someone is just not true. We are not that far, a few connections. And Kelly and I met Actually, through my mom, of all things, I'll let her tell that story. So, Kelly, again, thanks for being on. And today we're going to talk about stress response and storytelling, just two of the nine things that we covered over those nine days. Right. So thanks again. And yes, going back to what you were saying, it does feel like we live in a Kevin Bacon world of six degrees of separation, where it is true. Brandon's mother and I went to Yale Divinity School together. I won't mention how long ago, but it is fascinating when you sit across somebody and have lunch in the cafeteria and then poof, fast forward. And here we are having a different kind of conversation, a generation differently. And yes, you know, it was really a fantastic thing that I think we did back in March and April when we, we wanted to do something for the COVID when COVID was really blooming and we took nine modules which you can teach them separately or you can teach them in tandem with one another, which is what we did. And we just built upon, which was a lot of fun. We had great conversations. And as we we were thinking about the podcast, we thought, let's take two of the ones that we thought would be most applicable for what's going on in today's world. And then what I also love about them, when you think about stress and the stories that we tell ourselves is that these are timeless. We can thank our ancestors for both of them. So even if you listen to this podcast and say a year, this will still be really appropriate material. For sure. So I just wanted to touch, Kelly, on those nine things that we went through because I was, as you were talking, looking at that. We started out on uh, day one with the status quo and the hero's journey. We did stress, which we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. We did peak productivity, which people won't want to miss in the course for sure, because that was a great module. The Twin Gremlins, Fear and Lethargy. The Master Storyteller, which you're going to talk a little bit about today with us. The Nuts and the Ants, and I'm not going to tell you what what the (laughs) viewers are, because you'll have to get the course, figure that out. The Types of Ants, what else did we do? We did Habits. Everybody wants to understand about habits. You and I talked at length with a ton of research, and maybe maybe that is its own podcast. Mm -hmm. I think so. In the future. And then Surfing the overwhelm, and we did a bunch of exercises and talked about how to manage that. And today is going to be exciting because you are, I hope, going to give us a little exercise at the end that people can do to manage stress and the stories they tell themselves, right? Absolutely. We're going to give everyone not just a, a little practice that you can use when you need to pull the steam whistle or when you're noticing things are just getting a little heavy in life. But we're also going to give a worksheet too. So folks who want to take it to the next step, you'll get a worksheet that'll drive you towards some really good questions that will hopefully give you some new insights as well. For sure. And we have that. And tune in to the end and we will give you the URL where you can download that worksheet to this. So Kelly, with that, where do you want to start today with this? I know we're going to cover stress and the story we tell ourselves. And I always say the I always go back and then I'll hand it over to you that my mom, I always remember sitting in my bedroom on the farm that we grew up listening to vinyl records 
and my mom coming in and saying, you know, you really shouldn't be listening to that. You got to be really careful about what you listen to because it's the story that you tell over and over in your head. And, and I think as kids, we're always like, yeah, okay, mom, I get it. And then you go back to listen to Ozzy Osbourne, Crazy Train. And then 30 <laughs> years forward or Rush, Limelight or whatever it is, right? And then, or ACDC and, and 30 years forward, you come back and you realize, geez, man, wow, those lyrics were pretty heavy. I was probably telling myself some interesting things that might have been ahead of my time. So the story you tell yourself has just enormous impact on your daily life and where you're going in life. So I'm excited to hear more about that today. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited too. And I think where I'd like to start is just that being human, you and I have talked about this. I think being human can be many things, but being human doesn't have to be as hard as we make it. And a lot of that depends on where you grow up, how you, your experiences in the world, what the world gives you, what you do with it. I've been talking to my family a lot lately, just talking about where they came from out of the Ohio River Valley and some of the obstacles that they had to go through to get to the places where they are today. And then you think about, man, like, we have been around on this planet as humans for a very, very, very long time. And we can thank our ancestors, as I mentioned earlier, for our stress responses that we have today. We're not fighting cyber-toothed tigers. We're fighting traffic. We're fighting just things that come our way that we don't know necessarily what someone intends, what the motives are. And we don't like a vacuum. So we often will fill the vacuum with the story that we create. The problem with that is that not all stories we tell ourselves are true and not all stories that we have been telling ourselves are actually appropriate for where we are today in our lives and actually the future that we want to build. And then when you layer stress into all of this, stress and stories go hand in hand. I think Hollywood directors have figured this one out. You know, they give you big explosions and you get your heart rate going. And then there's like this narrative that goes through the movies. My point is that human beings, we tell stories all day long. We live in a society that thrives and lives off of stories. So you can't escape stress. You can't escape stories. You can't escape what goes inside of you and how the external world is impacting you. So what we really want to do is spend some time today digging into what is this symbiotic relationship between the two? And how do you ensure that you remain in the driver's seat of your own life and you don't let these things hijack you? So yeah, I want to, I definitely want to go and start about that. And I can start geeking out about stress. I do want to caveat it and say that I am not a neuroscientist, but I have been in the field of studying stress and stress response for more than a decade and have been going through my own personal experiences. I think one thing that I have found really remarkable about going through COVID, going through everything else, the social unrest that's happening now is that I think it's very fair to say, Brandon, that all of us, no matter where you sit in this country or world, you are experiencing a heightened stress response. So whatever our normal was, whatever that is for you, you want to ratchet up the volume on that because all the world is struggling with this and you can't not struggle along with it. You can help yourself in it, but we just want to acknowledge that everyone's heightened. So I say this because when I'm talking to my friends and family and they're already heightened and the people they're engaged with are heightened. They're just like, I don't understand. I don't understand what this person is doing. And I will often say, yeah, they probably don't either because they're reacting to the world. They're not thinking about it because the stress response is activated. 
Yeah. And I think, uh, what I've realized is that I, I feel like I've got always, I'm pretty strong and, and have this armor. But when I got on the scale, I realized that I had gained four pounds and that's really not like me. And it's very clear, clear that stress <laughs> will come out in multiple different ways. The good news is it's not too hard to get off. So I managed to do that. But the, the fact is, is that people are on heightened response. Some of people don't realize it are in denial. And I think we need to take that into account when we interact with people because it only takes, if it took a small Bic lighter flame to light someone off, now all it takes is a spark. And, right. and as soon as you do that, be prepared because all hellfire is coming, right? Yes, exactly. So when you are dealing with a more reactive or people are moving into more reaction than contemplation or even reflection, you just got a lot that's going on and you don't always have to, you can, let me put it this way. When somebody is hot, they're not going to, you're not going to be able to have a logical, rational conversation with them. The best thing to do is to be the most relaxed person in the room and to listen until the person starts to calm themselves down. I mean, some words that we might use around this would be like, oh, that person's really triggered or I got triggered or I'm just freaking hot about this or whatever it is. And then you just want to start to just let them calm down. I mean, I was talking to some friends and they said, you know, my wife came home and said, I'm retiring early. That's it. I've had enough of this. And he went into a conversation about like, well, let's talk about your retirement portfolio. And I'm like, no, it's not going to work. You want to get down to the bottom of what is this person reacting to, what's upsetting them and listening. And then as you listen, you can start to, they'll naturally start to calm down. And then from there, you'll be able to have more progress. And that's also true with ourselves. So when we're feeling hot, we want to send that email. We want to chime off on Facebook or Instagram. We want to write the email. Just pause and calm and then try from that place where there's a little bit more space to make the decision. And to help us think about this, I just want to run through a couple of things around stress, if that's okay, some highlights. Yeah, I was hoping we could go back to the ingredients and and talk about stress and chronic stress and and how we can get a hold of that. So for those who are listening, when you think about stress, the number one thing you want to consider is that stress is subjective. So what's going to stress me out may not stress Brandon out. It may not even stress you out. And the other thing to note here is that not all stress is bad. Kelly McGonigal, who is a researcher at Stanford University, has some fantastic books and TED Talks about this. It's really what you think about stress is how it will inform your reaction to stress. So if you think, hey, stress is going to bring out the best in me, I I do my best work under stress or under pressure, that's probably going to be true for you. If you say stress is going to kill me, you are probably going to start to move more in that direction because, again, that mind-body relationship is extraordinary. So for people thinking about stress, a couple of ways to break this down. Think you've got two types. You've got acute stress and chronic stress. Acute stress is that kind that you can use where your body starts to give you that adrenaline, a little bit of that cortisol, the stress hormones to give you the energy you need when you need it the most. So for example, before this podcast, I could feel like, whoo, there's that pit in the stomach. I'm a little sweating a little bit. My mind is racing. That tells me, those are my physical sensations saying, ding, ding, stress is active in you, Kelly. Your body is trying to give you the energy you need to do what you need to do. On the other hand, you've got 
if you think about a stress access, on the other side of it is the chronic stress. And that's the stress that is not helpful. This is the stress where you have been in a compounded reaction or relationship to something for a year or more where you're not getting sleep, you're not taking care of yourself, your body can no longer, the adrenaline and cortisol that it's giving you is no longer enough. You start to see people in certain communities where they're like, man, the M&Ms and the espresso at 3 p.m. is not working for me. I got to take something a little bit stronger. I'm going to move to the Red Bull. And then when you try to sleep at night, your body can't calm down. So maybe I'll take some alcohol there. And then I start to get more irritable and I start to kind of go down. So again, two things, acute and chronic. You just keep those in, in your head. And the number two is going to be important when you think about stress. Because another way you can think about stress is that you have a fast brain and a slow brain. And what I mean by that is when you look at a picture of the brain, you've got your brain stem, which is down closer to your neck. That is the oldest part of your brain. This we call it the reptilian brain. This is the part of you with a little gland in there called the amygdala. I think of that as my threat assessor. It's like the eye of Sauron. It's like combing the whole environment looking for a stress. When it notices, aha, that thing over there is stressful, it's going to give me again that adrenaline and cortisol to activate me, to heighten my ability. And you'll see that people will, their bodies will be primed, their eyes will dilate, they're going to be primed to act, to move. On the other hand, the slow brain, so when you think about the brain growing over time, and again, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of years, the gray matter that you'll see, the squiggly parts, that is the part, especially this area right here on your forehead, the prefrontal cortex. This is the part of you that likes to have a think about things. This is where we can empathize with another human being. This is where I have language. I can communicate to somebody. This is where I can make an ethical decision. This is the part that likes to have a think. So you've got the part of you that likes to be the gunslinger, and then you've got the other part of you that likes to have a think about it. The space between those two, the more space you can give yourself, the more you can do things to help yourself to not fall into reaction. So I'll give an example. Years ago, I was driving down the street. There's a pedestrian walkway. The car in front of me paused. I paused behind that car. And the guy behind me who had been texting just careened right into the back of my car. So I'm that person in rush hour, you know, over on the side of the road. All the cars are like, gawking and I'm trembling. I'm standing there and my whole body is shaking. And the cop comes and they're like, honey, what's your name? And I can't even say my name. I, I can hear it in my brain, but I cannot communicate it. And I know it's because in that moment, I'm so full of adrenaline. I'm so full of the stress hormones. I It shuts my thinking brain offline totally. And you'll notice this if you've ever gotten triggered or gotten hot where you'll just say, I don't even know what to say anymore. Like your your language goes. And this is where in the moment you'll do things that you think are a good idea, like writing the email or making the angry phone call. And then afterward, when you had to think about it, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Foot in mouth, please let me not do that ever again. That did not go well. So that's, you want to think again, like acute and chronic. And then I've got these two brains fast and slow. Along with the number two, another way to think about this is you've got two systems of the body. You've got the sympathetic nervous system, which revs you up, and you've got the parasympathetic nervous system that calms you down. So 
What I love about the body, Brandon, is your body gives you both systems, which I think is extraordinary. It's a complete, you are a complete human being. You've got both. The problem in modern society is a lot more of us live in the sympathetic. We're constantly triggered and activated and we don't get a chance to calm down. And when you'll notice this, so when we think about the parasympathetic nervous system, there's a lot of research out there on the vagus nerve. There's also things that you can do. This is where if you are hugging someone that you love for 20 seconds or more, if you're petting an animal, if you're doing something that you love, like out in nature, you feel wonder, that helps to activate inside your body oxycontin, oxytocin, sorry, oxytocin, not oxycontin. Oh my God. Oxycontin. Don't do that. Oxytocin. That's your cuddle hormone. So that is going to allow your body when, when that starts to flow through your body, your body's like, ah, no saber toothed tiger, no traffic. I can rest. I can calm myself down. I can heal. And what we want to do when we think about stress is we want to build enough space between the sympathetic response, the reaction, and then the ability to calm yourself down. We want to swing out and gain more of that parasympathetic so that we live a more balanced life. And that's really good way. So two types, acute and chronic, you've got two brains, you're fast and slow, and two systems, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. So if you even just keep remembering those couple of things, that's going to really help you. So those are the technical things. There's also techniques to, while you understand it and you can rationalize it, there's some techniques to actually manage it. Now, now I was going back, actually. We talked about nuts. Do you want to talk about some, yeah. some, some nuts here? I would love to talk about nuts. I know we said we weren't going to give it to them, but I want to give it to them. So for everyone out there who's listening, a really good way to think about stress and to even have a think as to whether or not you're experiencing it is to remember the acronym NUTS, N-U-T-S. New Uncertain threat to identity, and sense of control. And I'm going to break each one down. So when you have one of these four things or all of them, your stress response is on. It's anything that's new. That's the first one. N is new. Anything that's new, anything you've never seen before, anything you've not yet had the experience of, anything where you'll often feel this. I think all of us are probably feeling it in the coronavirus. This is a new thing for anybody who's been on this planet. We just don't know what we're dealing with. And that's really activating. You'll find this often will happen when people get a new job. We'll talk about the learning curve. This is a new thing. I'm excited, but I'm also nervous about this. Can I do it? The U is uncertain. Again, it's anything that I just don't know how I feel about this yet. I'm not sure. I don't have all the information yet. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. There's a lot of ambiguity. I don't like ambiguity. I want to be rooted and grounded in some known stuff. Uncertain. So if you're, if this is new and uncertain. Another thing that pops up is the threat to identity. That's the T. Threat to identity. Anything where you feel like you, how you see yourself in the world is being questioned or challenged. So for example, people who have been a longtime expert in something and then they begin to retire and now they have a new identity in retirement. They're no longer how they saw themselves. So this is threatening. Who am I now? What am I now? Threat to identity often will happen anytime there's a life transition. You are now single and now you're married. You're married and now you're divorced. 
you're in a new relationship, you are in a new job change, you have to move to another part of the country, there's new people around you, anything in which you feel there's a threat to how you see yourself. And then the S, which I think is really interesting, is a sense of control. So anything in which I don't feel like I have control over it, or my control has been taken away, we see this a lot with For example, the coronavirus is happening right now because the ways we used to occupy any anxiety or tension, maybe now we can't go do that thing. We can't see our friends. We can't go outside and play tennis. We we can't, we've exhausted what Netflix has. What do I do with myself now? So that sense of control. And if you are going through an experience like a pandemic where we've got all the stuff happening at once on lots of layers, it's just going to just again, turn that volume all the way up. So nuts is good. New, uncertain, threat to identity and sense of control. You've got one of those things, your stress response is probably on. Now, if it's on and you're like, you know what? This is not a good moment for me to be on. The way you can hack yourself or to bring that parasympathetic in is you want to create space. Because often with stress, our stories will start to explode out of our mind because we're, we don't know what this is. We're in a vacuum. So we're going to fill it with the things that we've generated. Again, it may be true. It may not be true. So the way you will want to do this, if you even just took a deep breath before you responded, you're doing yourself a huge favor. If you decided to just breathe for about 60 to 90 seconds, you're going to calm yourself down even more. One of the things that we know is that if you're moving from a place of reactivity to a place of calm, it can take your body about 60 to 90 seconds or more to get the message. So for example, if I'm in traffic, some guy cuts me off, I'm noticing my stress response on, but I've really got to pay attention because it's also raining. I can't I can't just react to this guy. It may not be safe to react to this guy. I might regret regret reacting to this guy. So I will just calm myself down. Another thing you can do through the breathing is you can also, again, don't do this if you're driving, but if you're not driving in your home, you can literally take your hands together, rub them as if it were a cold day, and then put the heat of your hand on your heart, on your cheek, on your leg. It's a signal to your body, hey, lady, we are not in stress response. We are calming the jets. We're cooling things off. There's no saber-toothed tiger. You're okay. You got this. And, and I think one of the things that is key that if people listening are saying, this is all great, but this is so much. How am I actually going to do that? I, I would offer, and we've talked about this, Kelly, you and I, is the first thing that will decrease your stress, I wouldn't suggest that it's going to take it to zero because, as you said, it's going to take some time, but it's just recognizing it. Like, okay, I am, I am stressed because then you gain this sense of power over something and you take the uncertainty or the feeling that you don't have power, right? At some level, you don't have that control because your body has released adrenaline, which is designed for something to do something, which you probably feel like you either want to run or, 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 or hide. But just recognizing it will change your relationship with that stress if you can just remind yourself. Before, that would be, would you agree, Kelly, sort of step one is just recognizing it. Because once you recognize it and you get a grip on recognizing it, then you can do something with it. But if you can't recognize it and you can't say, I am under stress right now, 
it will spiral out and you won't be able to do any techniques or any exercises. Yeah, absolutely, Brandon. You're right on it. We all have a different way we like to respond to stress. Some of us are fighters, some of us flee, and some of us just freeze. We don't know what we're doing, so we just stay in place. We do nothing. What you're talking about is is self-awareness. I'm trying to wake up in this moment and not let my reactive self take me over. I'm trying to stay conscious, awake, aware of everything that's going on, and I want to make a smart choice in this moment. And I want to have a think about it. So yeah, absolutely. Step one is always self-awareness. The trouble is, and I think this is something we don't really talk very much about in society, we think it's going to come from our heads. That's not necessarily true. The first reaction we will often have to stress lives in the body. So what you want to have a think about, or this is a little baby practice people can do at home is, okay, let me look at my little self, just check in with myself. What's my style? Am I a fighter? Do I flee or do I freeze? And you can even just look at the timeline of your life and you're going to see, and you can even ask people around you, hey, what do I do? What's the thing you think I do? And then once you know your style, you want to then pay attention to what your physical sensations are in your body. Where do you feel the first chime of it off this body? Is it that you notice that your breath is quickening? You're starting to breathe a lot faster. Is it that your heart is racing? Is it that I've got a pit in my stomach? Is it that I start to make little fists? Is it that my mind is racing? I'm already anticipating and problem solving. I'm no longer in the present moment. Why we would want to do this, and I think this is important work to do, and I would encourage all people to to do this one because I think the benefits are just so exponential. When I stay close to myself and I stay close to those physical sensations, I don't disconnect from myself. I don't just go here. I'm with all of me. And as I stay with all of me in the present moment, I can handle no matter what is going on with other people. I am no longer not aware of the situation where other people's energies or emotions or situations can literally infect me. And I am now behaving in a way that maybe I wouldn't want or that isn't authentic to me or like afterward I might have a regret about. I can stay myself because I am going to work with me. And then as I am more full with myself, I can now be with people who are around me. It doesn't matter if they're a category five hurricane. I can still be calm with them and I can remain connected with them because I'm connected to myself. The problem with reactivity, and this is why I think a lot of people, if you look at discourse, if you look at things, we're not talking with each other. We're just, whoom, we're reacting. We're like just missiles flying past each other. And it feels really frustrating. It feels like we just go in cycles and circles with people. The spell never gets broken because we're not even present to ourselves. So how the heck can we be present to another human being? It, you just can't. So again, take the breath. Figure out where, if this is a map, where do I, where are my centers? It's going to be different for every body, everybody. And then once you know that, in the next moment you get triggered and you've got your, your sign and you're chiming off like, ooh, pit in the stomach. That's my signal that tells me, okay, let's just take a breath now before this escalates. Let me just breathe. Maybe I take a couple of rounds of breath. 
And then from there, I'm going to see how I want to step into this and what I might want to say or what I might want to do. But when we don't, when we disconnect from ourselves, we can be complicit to things. We can do things that we just like afterward. And when you wake up, what the heck was I thinking? What was I doing? This episode is sponsored by the Halle Financial Team at Expert Lending. Buying a house in today's market is competitive, and you need a lender that can close fast and get you the very best rate. The team is licensed in 48 states and has over 20 years' experience in the real estate and lending space, and access to lending rates that most mortgage brokers can't get. I know, because I'm an investor in the team. If you need a mortgage or know someone that does, call or text Kara at 571 271 9086. And talk to a real human who will give you the customer service you deserve. Again, call or text Kara at 571-271-9086. Now back to the show. And I think you have to practice this, right? Yeah, you have to you create this to trigger. That, that stress, whatever you feel in your body, you have to match with a physical, I mean, a mental thought that says I'm under stress. Like that would be step one. And if yes. you, if people just practice that, and it took me a long time and you, you're never going to be perfect. But one of the things that I've triggered is when I open the cabinet where we keep the pretzels and the cookies and everything. And what I've triggered is, is that when I touch that and open that door, that's a physical thing that I'm doing, but I've matched that with a mental thought that says, am I eating because I'm hungry or am I eating because I want to control something? And I've matched that, which at that moment now has given me control, the best that I could control it, right? Of at least asking the question and it's turned into a rational thing than an emotional thing. And I think that's how I've done it. I, I, I notice where I'm breathing from, right? So if I'm breathing in the upper chest, I instantly, I've matched it to a thought that says, there's some, something's going on. What is it? And at that point, I'm having that conversation. I remember, you know, I was thinking about when you were talking about nuts with this whole surfing thing that I started doing, which is totally supposed to be totally fun. And it is fun, but it's been this totally insanely stressful thing for me. And it's been interesting to figure out, mainly because I love putting myself in situations that I'm actually, like, I'm the new person, right? I'm learning from from zero. But I go, I was going through as, as I was listening to you. One is it's new. I'd never seen it before. So when you see waves... Recently, I went out in some big surf. You know, if you see an eight foot, nine foot wave and you haven't seen that before and it's about to crash on you, it creates some stress, I would suggest to you. I can imagine. Yeah. No, I am completely uncertain exactly what that feeling will be because, to be honest, I don't, maybe as a kid and I was rafting, but, or using like a mat, but I don't remember what it's like to have an eight foot or nine foot wave crash on me and what happens. There's a threat that, I haven't, there's just a threat, right? Like it could hurt me. It could throw me against the ground. There's sharks in these waters. And then the sense of control, which is basically, which is part of the fun of surfing in many ways is there's really, you only can control you. Ultimately, that's really all you can control. So as I, when you said, oh, well, if you have one of these, I can remember like, yeah, a week ago I had all of these and then was in this, what I would say downward spiral which is when I was getting, when I basically had had enough, mainly because I was just so tired physically. 
from getting caught in sets. And, and I did catch some waves, which was totally fun. But then as I'm, as I'm going towards shore, there's this little seal and he's swimming right next to me. I mean, right to my left. I can touch, I can, if I want to touch him, I could touch him, right? If he let me, wow. but he's, but he's right there. And then I went into a total state of panic. And this to- state of panic is about four weeks ago, we had a guy die just south of where I was surfing from a, from a shark attack. And usually, and then I'm a fisherman, as you know, most people mm-hmm. know. So like where are fish, they're right near shore in general. And what are they targeting? They're targeting prey that are little seals. And I just instantly went off. I was like, oh my God, get away from me. And, <laughs> and I'm going as fast as I can. And then I'm realizing, and, and so what luckily, whatever habit I've created triggered, which is, hey, look, you're panicking. You're going to make more splash in the water, which is actually if there, if there is a shark around, which the likelihood is more so where we surf here than other places, but still low. Right. I mean, shark attacks are, there are shark attacks, but they're not a lot of shark attacks. And, and to be honest, you really can't be thinking if you're going to surf in California, you can't think about sharks. I mean, you need to be aware of them, but you can't panic. That moment, I was like, okay, you're panicking. And, and then it started to allow me to get control. It did not happen, you know, in 20 seconds. It took a minute. But then I was like, look, you're in the water. You're going to have to get to shore at some point. You're going to have to paddle. Paddling, faster and under control is probably a better way. It doesn't mean that I was like, hey, seal, like, get away from me. (laughs) But I I think you, you know, I'm just using this as an example for the listeners out there to say, there's these examples that you can go through to train yourself to say, okay, is it upper breathing? Is it when you actually touch the cabinet because you're eating for stress? Is it is it a word that you use when you talk to your partner or your spouse or what, whatever that is or your kids and use that as the trigger to get aware, to practice, to gain awareness? And then once you've mastered that, start to get control. Exactly. So one of the things that I do is, and again, Brandon, you're absolutely right. Like it, okay, people, as, as you're listening to this, this is practice every day. Like this, is hard to train yourself because when you are under stress, what do you do? You go back to old behavior that makes you feel comfortable. So you're already fighting against lots of reps on something else. What we're talking about is building a new exercise portfolio for yourself where every time you catch yourself, you're doing like a baby bicep rep. You are putting the reps in. And the more reps you get in, and we know if you're going to master anything, it's what, 10,000 hours? So every time you do this, yes, put your hands in the air because you have you have now woken up in this moment and that's going to help you. When I was going through my own, I have multiple examples for this because every day is a new day where you get to practice. I was thinking about PBA. That's what I say to myself. I notice pit in the stomach. I instantly say PBA. That's my acronym for pause before action. Just pause. Don't do anything until you get it under control. And then from that place, respond. I will tell you, if you had known me when I was playing tennis as a high school student or in martial arts, I could be very competitive. I've used this to help myself kind of fall more into the Zen flow of things over time. That's probably a a good thing. 
But like you, you know, I remember a buddy of mine from high school, we decided we wanted to do the backcountry off the grid in Glacier National Park. He's like, you want to do this? I'm like, yes. And then I was like, oh, no, I have never camped in my freaking life. Like, what the heck am I doing? Think again, Kelly. But then I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And, you know, first day, saw two grizzly bear. I don't think I slept very well. But every day I was like, this is my stress response. And all I can do is put one foot in front of the other or back up slowly, like very, you know, if you see the bear. And then you have to learn along the way. And I, I really go back. Every day is going to be your practice partner. There'll be people. There will be things. There will be the news. There will be something. Your kids. And you'll know. And then you're just you're going to have lots of practice partners. So I was working with a client last week who was talking about some coworkers and just the struggle back and forth. And she was calling them like those people. Yeah, those people. So when you call them those people, you're already collapsing a lot of potential. And if you looked at them instead and said, you know what? These are my coworkers. We're having some disagreements. They're my practice partners. It changes the whole dynamic, even though the tendency might be like, oh, those people, right? Are human. And I think that's a segue into the storytelling yeah. in your head, right? Right. Like, so you, that, that story that, that your, your client just said to them changes it set the t- it could have gone if you tell that story yourself that those people then you're going down a different road than you are with my coworkers and and these I am part of those people yes so what i love about this is that this is a lot harder than you might think because first of all you want to recognize that you are a story machine you are a master storyteller because you have been practicing your entire life. You have been fed stories, you live stories, you tell stories, and you think stories. And not all of them are true. And some of them may not even be yours, by the way. They might be your parents' stories. They might be the concentric circles we live in of race, society, gender, religion, whatever, country. And those are all like loudspeakers telling you what you can and can't be. So we're already living in constructs of stories. It's kind of like Neo in the Matrix. You know, what's the story that I need to define for myself? Part of what we need to decide is what are the stories that are true for us? How do we get rid of the stories that no longer work for us and that are active? And then how do we consider what are the stories we're actually telling? So, for example, Brandon, when you were talking earlier about your surfing story about threat to identity, if I put myself on the surfboard and I'm looking at the wave and I'm looking at the seal and I'm thinking, I don't want to be a chicken McNugget here for the sharks. I'm going to start to think, who the heck was I to think that I could surf? Uh, these people around me might be thinking like, she's a newbie. Like, what the heck is she doing? I'm already making up stories about what is possible for my own potential to become a surfer and what I think other people are thinking about me. And I might even give up surfing because I decide, shoot, I clearly can't do this. I'm out. I'm taking myself out. We do this all the time. We'll see somebody give us the stink eye, what we think is a stink eye. We'll, we'll see somebody react in a way and we'll think it's about us. And we'll say, oh, that person just really doesn't like me. Or I've really upset that person. Or, wow, I just, I think I blew that. We'll make up stories. The only way we know for sure, and this will take a lot of courage, is if we actually approach the person and say, hey, the story I was making up is that I really upset you somehow by doing X, Y, Z. Was that true for you? 
And the person might be like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you came to me about this. Uh, no, I, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. I was just thinking about other stuff in my life. Or other people will be like, yeah, you know what? I'm so glad you came to me because yes, that's actually true. And I'm glad you brought that up. And now I want to talk to you about it. The thing when you think about stories, it's a lot like stress. You want to think about what types of stories you tell yourselves. Are these positive growth expanding stories or are you collapsing them down into like, you can't do anything. You're no good. You don't matter. Why even try, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or so are, are they limiting or are they growth? Like, yes, you've got this. You can do this. Go out and slay. You've got it. I mean, what are those stories? And then we want to hold that story, hopefully positive inside of us, so that when other people come, they can either ratchet up your story or start to chip away at your story. So you want to maintain yourself. And it Look, ideally, Brandon, what you'd want to get to, this is the, the practice for all of us, is you want to be so sure about who you are, what you represent, what you're about, that no matter anything that comes your way, it's not going to bother you because you know the truth inside yourself. And that's really difficult. I don't know if you yeah, saw I was this say that, that, that's like That's like the summit, right? Yeah, that's the summit. Well, that's the new plateau, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I was just listening to Charlie, the young woman who's all over TikTok. She's got like 60 million plus followers. She's a, she just turned 16 years old and she's an incredible social influencer. But in a recent interview, she talked about how there's a lot of people out there who give her a lot of hate and she has to work so much harder to rest inside herself that she knows who she is and what she's about. And what's really hard is that when you're a teenager, you're still figuring it out. You don't have the wisdom of a lot of life experience yet. So you're so much more vulnerable and prone to the sensitivity of what other people say. And that's true for all of us because we grew up maybe with people saying things and behaving in ways that set up a story for us that we either want to change or we want to get rid of or we want to shape shift. So the stories, here's here's the connection between stories and stress though. So I've been geeking out about stories. Hopefully everyone at home is nodding along like, yes, I know what you're talking about, Kelly. And when you tell yourself a story, like I'm out there next to the seal, I don't want to be a chicken McNugget for the sharks. Maybe I shouldn't be surfing. I'm already shooting on myself. I'm already telling myself maybe I don't have the skills to do this. What the heck was I thinking? Da, 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 da. That's where I want to pause because the body is like, yeah, Brandon. Yeah, Kelly. That's right. And your body starts to give you the stress hormones to match your story that you're telling yourself. So if you're telling yourself a story that's revving up your stress response, your body's like, high five. Yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. And then we, we feed off of each other. So the story feeds off the extra, the extra energy. The energy is like, yes, somebody wants my energy. I'm going to produce more of it. So we're caught in this really bad cycle. If I start to tell myself a story about that's growth. Hey, you've got this. You're going to figure it out. You haven't figured it out yet. Yet is a wonderful growth. Just add that onto anything you're saying to yourself because it shows that you can grow your body starts to calm down because it's not activated as such. So that's why stress and stories always go along together. You want to be mindful about the stories you're telling yourselves and the stories you're ingesting. Is this junk food or is this like nourishing good stuff for you? And what's the junk food or fake news that I might be telling myself about myself? I want to course correct that. 
and really take a look at like, hey, I've been telling the same story since like 1985. Is this the best story I can tell? Is this it? Like, is this the limit of my imagination? Or, wow, I've had four, almost 43 years of life. What are all the amazing stories that I have? And maybe I want to pull a new one out of the books of my life and retire the story that I've been telling for a long time. And I think I'd suggest that there's this, uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about, there's the story that you've been telling yourself maybe since 1985 or, or however far back that goes. And one of the things when I whine or luckily over the years through reps, I've gotten way better. So it really doesn't affect me as much. But one of the phrases that I use is that's not like me. And as soon as you use that, it changes everything. It will change that story. Right. And you, you know, you'll find yourself telling a story. Well, uh, whatever the story is, I'm, I wasn't good at that. I'm not good at that. I've always been, I've, you know, this all I've always been. But if you can end it with, that's not like me. That's not who I am today. Then all of a sudden it, it separates these old stories. And then there's this storytelling that you do want to tell yourself, right? If your goal is to ride a, a century on a bike, a hundred miles, then the story you want to tell yourself is I'm the type of person who can ride a hundred miles. And, and basically now, and, and we won't, you and I keep going on all day today, but cause that'll lead into visualization techniques that you do tell the story that you yeah. want to live or that you want to be so that that's pulling you into that story, if you will. And then there's this balance that you have to do, which is a lot of life's disappointments I've found are not really a result of the actual situation, nor the people. Most of that is expectations that have been built by a story and which leads to disappointment. And, you know, what we're talking about here at, at face value, probably somebody ju jumps into the podcast and like, yeah, man, grab a few techniques. This stuff is easy. There's a few things that we've offered today so far and some things that you will hear at the end when we get there, offer some techniques that you can use to bridge it to make some really fast, easy progress, right? Recognition, breathing, things like that. But as you get better and you start to master this, you start to realize that there's this balance and how important it is to understand the stories that you do tell yourself because they alt... In fact, not only tell yourself, but the story that you interpret about real world reality because mm -hmm. you That's can right. interpret this situation completely different than it actually was, which leads to expectations, which could lead to disappointment. So I think there's this, uh, and that's an art, right? And in many ways, you, you, you do even want to coach in many ways, because ultimately what you will develop for yourself as you start to think about, if you're willing to accept that you're going to embark on the journey of starting to gain control of stress and gain control of these stories. Step one is to gain is to recognize them and, and acknowledge them. But then you're going to really need to build a plan, right? Right. You need to build a plan. And I would even say it's not even about control. It's about connection. I really think that I think that's, that's better. Yeah. I mean, you can probably read into what you want with it. Yeah. That. I mean, the re yeah, one, of, one of the reasons, yeah. One of the reasons I love the word connection is because one of the things we have been talking about and for all listeners at home, please take this one away. 
you want to connect with your stress. You want to connect with your stories. You want to have a relationship with them. You don't want to push them away because they don't go away. They just get bigger. So if I can connect now in the moment I feel it, I don't have to let it grow into a tsunami wave. I can just kind of, as it's just lapping at my big toe, I can handle that. But if I don't say, hey, wave, little ripple of water touching my big toe. Hey, how's it going down there? Let me, let me see what's coming on. If I don't do that, it's just a tsunami and I get just wipes me out. So when you connect, remember, we've been talking about self-awareness. The other thing I want to make sure to mention is curiosity. Curiosity is your friend. It's going to open up things. It's going to help you connect because the words you're going to use here when you're in dialogue with yourself and with others is, whoa, what's this about? How? How is really opening? What is really opening? Do you want good open-ended questions? And you want to stay out of anything that's inherently judging or shaming. And that is why. Why did you do that? Did you do that? Should you, you should be doing this. That, that's all like shaming and judging and it shuts it all down. So you don't want to do that to yourself and you absolutely don't want to do that to other people because people you, you hate it. Did you do your homework? Oh God, it sounds like there's only one right answer here and I better have it. Yikes. Did you get the milk? I forgot. Now I'm looking for the consequence of my forgetfulness. But if I connect, then I can stay out of that. And Brene Brown has done phenomenal work on this. Dr. Kristen Neff, also out of Texas, doing great work on self-compassion. Those are good resources for folks. But remember, self-awareness, curiosity, these are going to be your friends. These are your allies on the journey that are going to help you. Yeah, one of the things that we said in in the uh, nine days to turn yourself into a powerhouse was a quote by Brene Brown that said something to Shame corrodes the very part of us that believes we are capable of change, right? And, and I think just saying that, acknowledging that sort of allows you to connect in a different way with those, with those feelings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I'm shaming myself, if I do something and then I instantly shame, God, why did you do it like that? Shouldn't you, you should have done it differently. I am being the same thing to myself that I don't like when people do that to me. So if there's an outsider who says, Oh, dang it, Kelly, like, why did you do it like that? And if I now do that on top of what this other person is doing, and I absorb all of it, and then I'm asking myself, I'm double shaming, I'm it's, I feel even worse. And that if you're not careful, it can seduce you into a, st- a story that's like, well, I'm just not competent, shouldn't have stretched for this job, what the heck was I thinking? And you can really collapse your life. So I think one of the things I'm saying here is that if you can work with your stories, connect with them. If you can connect with your stress, you actually can, and we've been using the word powerhouse, you, your life can open up in some really extraordinary ways because you're not going to just follow blindly all this other noise. So with that, Kelly, we covered a lot of ground, probably given enough people stuff to work on for plenty of time. But could you offer an exercise to yes. our listeners that they could put to work just to get started and make some progress? Yeah, I think the one that I love, it's a two-parter. The first is you really want to just get a sense of your physical sensations. You know, where is it for you? For me, it's always the pit in my stomach. The first place I notice. When I notice the pit in the stomach or when I notice I'm getting hot, 
I just will take a deep breath. I'll breathe in. If my nose is not clogged, I'll breathe in through my nose and I'll breathe out through my mouth. And I want to have my jaw. I want this to be unhinged. I want it to let it go because we store a lot of stress in our jaw. Those of you who clench and grind at night, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I'll just take a breath, like breathe in, breathe out. And if I have to do that a couple of times, I think we learned a lot of good stuff back in kindergarten. You know, can I count to 10? Maybe I'm going to breathe to 10, but I really want to calm until I no longer see red. Can I calm my jets down? So just taking a deep breath is great. For those of you at home, we all have different lung capacities. So a deep breath for me may not be the same for you. You might have like Lance Armstrong lungs and I just don't. So you just want to take a breath. See if you can breathe from your belly. Like if you take a hand and you put it right there underneath your rib cage at the bottom of your belly. And if you take an in-breath, like if you breathe in and you notice that belly expands, that's great. That's all you want to do. You just want to try to bring more of the breath through more of the lungs and down into the diaphragm. So that's a sweet little practice. Just take a breath. The second one would be see if you can be the most relaxed person in every room of your house, in every place you go, and not take the hook off of other people's stress. Can you just stay calm and see if your calmness can expand out? That's another good little practice. And you can do it by just choosing not to look at your phone and just breathing. So those are two sweet little practices. Yeah. Yeah. And those are perfect. I would... I just want to emphasize something you said, which is a lot of the times when people say take a deep breath and you emphasize this, you want to take the breath from your belly. You do not want to take that from your upper chest because your upper chest is going to be the fight or flight. And I, I think mm-hmm. that that's what people, if you take a deep breath and you take it from your upper chest, you've just, you've just ignited the very thing you're doing. So I just want ever the listeners to, Remember that, like Kelly said, that breath has to be from your belly and not from your upper chest. If you're breathing from your upper chest, that is one of many signals that you are in a flight or fight and your body is adre- is releasing adrenaline. So right. that, that, that's the um, first thing. And, I, and the second thing on your on be the most relaxed person, I think the thing that that really does is it creates a challenge. And when you create a challenge for yourself, you've changed the story of what's actually going on and that will change everything for you. And I think those are two great things that people can do. We are going to give a worksheet. So in the outro, I will put the URL in there because I actually don't know what it will be right now, but we'll give that to everyone. And Kelly, you and I are going to re-record. We did this live session, as Kelly had said earlier in the program, we did it for free and we did nine days. Kelly and I had not taught it together in that way. We both have taught every element of that individually in one case or the other. And in many cases, like today, I, I don't know how long we've gone, but probably over an hour on simply two of the nine aspects that we probably could go into each one. Well, we did go into mm-hmm. each one of these for over, over an hour in, in most cases and probably could have kept going. But we had, that was really a great session. Every We had great feedback. People loved it. I, I was telling Kelly before we jumped on here today that I just got an email from one of the people who had gone through those nine days and 
said it was just extraordinary for him. And it was at a perfect time in his life when he needed it and that he actually is going back to that. But you and I are going to re-record that without a live audience to make a shorter version, if you will, for people when we do offer it. The course is not open right now, but we will open it down the line so that people could go through there arguably a little bit quicker without that. And we'll give people the option of you and I doing the, well, I call it like my dad's version of down and dirty, just give me the <laughs> stuff to do. And then the, the community aspect. So we're going to do that. I don't know. We actually had planned for that this week and, and some things got just on my plate that I couldn't do it, but we're going to aim for that for the next week or two. And then once we get that edited, we'll probably open up registration for people who want to do that. I just want to say thanks so much, Kelly, for this. I, I think this is the timing of this, obviously, is uh, what we're going through with the coronavirus and all of these protests. And, you know, the world as we, when we woke up in January 1st, 2020, we may have thought that we were going to live in a world that may have been better than 2019, but looked somewhat the same. And I think we woke up one day in March and realized that the world is going to be completely different forever. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I, I take a lot of comfort in is that all of us are the products of survivors. So we're some pretty resilient stock. We've gotten to this point, And I think I just think it's really important to just normalize the conversation and just say, hey, yeah, this is really freaking tough out there. And a lot of us are experiencing multiple things at once. Some of us are only experiencing one or two things. So you, if you're struggling, I just want to say it's normal. Embrace it. Being human is lots of things. And right now, it just might be really freaking tough. And hopefully, after just this conversation, listening to a little bit more info about stories and your own stress response, that might open up some doors and windows in your life where you're like, wow, I now know this about myself. I can take this out for a spin and test it out and see how it goes. And again, it's really about connecting. Because remember, when you stay connected to yourself, you can stay more connected to the people around you, both those you know and don't know. And I, I think that's a really exciting future where maybe we could end up with a better world coming out of this. That's my hope and anyway. I totally agree. And normally we end on three HPTs, but the truth is we drop so many HPTs in this cast that I don't want to overwhelm and create stress for everyone. So <laughs> I would point back to rewind and do the two exercises, download the worksheet. That's three right there. You've got your breath exercise. You've got your be the most relaxed person in the room challenge. You're going to have a worksheet. And those are the three HPTs. Kelly, thanks so much for coming on. Looking forward to re-recording this. And yeah, we'll try to shoot for that next week. And maybe we'll do another podcast if you and I get energy around it after we record the nine modules again. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you, Brandon, for the, for this conversation. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe, sane, and strong out there. And um, Brandon, good luck with your surfing. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I think we'll you're going to hang soon. 10. Okay. Bye. Well, how good was that? That was awesome. Kelly? Thank you so much for doing this episode. It was a ton of fun, and I think you and I could talk for hours. And I hope you as the listeners enjoyed it. If you did, please leave a review and tell me what you think. And if you'd like to reach out and give me direct feedback, my email is b at brandoncwhite.com. And don't forget, as a thank you for listening, I've got a special offer 
for my Build a Business Success Secrets snail mail newsletter that has mind, body, and business articles delivered to your snail mail box. Yes, it's old school, but it's worth more than the electronic newsletters that you get all the time. So check it out. That's for you. Thanks again. If you enjoyed it, leave a review, hit subscribe. And until next episode, I'm rooting for your success. And remember, you're just one business plan away. We'll see you later.